Welcome. Another podcast, another week, another Monday. I hope you guys are having the best day of your life. I know I am. I want to welcome this very special guest. This week, I'm going to be talking with my brother, Alex. It's going to be a really good one this week. You want to say hello? Hello. How are you doing? Super fantastic, man. Happy to be here. I like it. I like it. Um, So this one's going to be a little bit uh, different because obviously me and Alex know each other really well, but you guys don't know his side of the story for a lot of things. And I know I've talked about him a lot as far as he's influenced me with my positivity and my happiness. So I kind of wanted to start off with that and talk about how Alex, how did you get into positivity? How did you find the law of attraction? How did you kind of get on that mindset? How did you make that shift in your life? Because I learned from you, so I was curious how you got into it. Um, well, I don't know if there's one definitive moment that was like a life-changing thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I always thought growing up that like no matter what I ended up doing, I don't care about what it is. I just want that to be involved with happiness you know right when i grow up i want to be happy i wasn't worried about anything else Mm -hmm. and um i don't know i just kind of pursued the stuff that made me happy like i kept riding my bike i kept tinkering with cars and just making fun little Mm -hmm. things around in the garage and that just kept evolving and then in high school got introduced to the rap artist mod son from one of my friends and his whole genre that he calls hippie hop is like rapping about positivity mm-hmm. and um i think his style's changed a lot in the last years but like when i was in high school and he was just emerging on the scene mm-hmm. it was a lot of to me influential music that kind of helped shape that and introduced me to the law of attraction and um that whole side of things which was a a new perspective and fresh outlook on it which was refreshing okay um yeah, that's really interesting. So when you when you were in high school and you were kind of going through that, did you know that this is what you were going to be doing? Did you 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 just wanted to be like happy, you know, you wanted to do your own thing, you want to do something you love? Did you see yourself working in the bike industry or doing this? Nope. Uh the way I always kind of thought about it is like, you know, if I end up living on the side of the road in a box, but I have happiness, like genuine happiness, that means that I'm not in a shithole. That means that I'm enjoying what I'm doing. So it doesn't matter what I end up doing. There was never a destination or a finish line. Yeah. The goal was just, you know, whatever you're doing, do it with happiness. That's cool. I remember too, uh, going back when you were in, or I think it was just after high school, you worked at a, a Jeep manufacturing place for a while. So you went through, I know you're still really into Jeeps and you're, that's a big passion of yours. Yep. And so um, that's a a great point, actually. So that brings up something that I haven't thought about in a while. So Jeeps have been a big part of my life. I love off-roading and just the freedom that you have with, you Mm -hmm. know, a four-wheel drive vehicle and the ground clearance. And especially living in Minnesota, the winters are pretty gnarly. So throw it in four-wheel and just keep going. That's what does that bring you happiness? The fact that you can get over anything, or like what brings you, you know, that satisfaction? Oh hell yeah, it's okay. the freedom of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it doesn't go anywhere fast, but it goes anywhere. That's and true. So working at the the Jeep place, Iron Rock Off Road in Shakopee, Minnesota. Um, prior to that, I was working at the Mall of America in a little retail store, and you know, I was getting by. It wasn't the most fun job but I liked the coworkers, and I liked what I had there and it was like it was my high school job you know you nobody mm-hmm. enjoys their high school job it's just what they do yeah and 
my buddy Danny, who was on the podcast previously, uh, got him into the Jeeps as well. And uh, through this kind of club Facebook group for Jeeping in Minnesota that I was in, Danny got a Jeep and we went out to meet this guy and talk about it. And this guy just making small talk with him told me that iron rock had some openings Mm -hmm. and if i had never gone with danny to go look at this jeep with him Mm -hmm. and talk to this guy and find out that there was an opening at iron rock i never would have applied it never would have crossed paths with me and what i was doing in my life and so the next day i took my resume and cover letter and emailed it off to Iron Rock and that afternoon got a call back from them and they said hey like can you come in we could do an interview with you today and so I got off work at four o'clock that day drove straight to Shakopee um, interviewed and got the job so literally within like two or three days of finding out about this I had secured a job in the Jeep industry yeah and it wasn't planned. It wasn't something that was on my agenda. It's just something that I genuinely enjoyed. And because of the things I was involved in doing, it just presented itself to me. Right. And then I know over time, after working there for so long, you kind of beefed up your Jeep and you got so many parts and whatnot. And you have tons of upgrades you've done. And now you're just, you have a monster truck sitting in the garage, basically. Yeah, it it evolved pretty quickly. I mean, when you have access to a hoist and, you know, a full shop and a professional welder and mm-hmm. you're able to get a good deal on the parts that they make in-house cuz it it's all it comes in raw steel and they manufacture it themselves. So, right. it's a it's a pretty good deal that you get on just paying for the raw materials. Do you stuff, think but. that's part of the fun too of you just like, you know, putting it in like doing that yourself? Oh, 100%. 100%. Not just driving it. It's problem solving. It's troubleshooting. You know, Mm -hmm. taking apart an old car, there's always rusty bolts and they're always going to break. And that's unexpected. You can't plan for that. You've got to be able to figure out how to find a solution to a problem that was not expected that you didn't plan for. Mm -hmm. And that has always intrigued me and challenged me. And, you know, challenges are the best part. So that's what allows you to grow. And then the next time you come into that and it just pops up you're like hey i know exactly what to do well so going into challenges i know towards the end of your jeep career or the iron off-road career you kind of weren't happy you weren't enjoying it as much than when you started talk about that a little bit going through yep so there was a number of things i'm not going to go into detail about that transpired and Mm -hmm. uh, there was a fair amount of employees there that were unhappy and i don't feel there were significant changes made to address those Mm -hmm. and they'd been brought up multiple times with no action taken so um they i think lost the whole crew in the warehouse in a matter of like two weeks but um it was uh, a position where i reached out to my previous employer i had left from and Mm -hmm. actually got a job at a better location for better pay than what i was making at iron rock Mm -hmm. and for better hours and so i was like yep like, I'm sorry, but like, this isn't for me right now. I need mm-hmm. to focus on myself and what I need to do. So, so you kind of went from like a high school job that was okay to this really cool off-road thing that you were obsessed with. And then that phased out and it turns out it wasn't what you wanted or the company wasn't what you wanted. And then you went back to the high school career for a little bit. And I know when you were in that, when you went back to the high school career, the high school uh, job, you didn't, you weren't really satisfied. You weren't as happy as you wanted to be. No, not at all. Uh, it was definitely something that was just because Security. it had to be done. Yeah, it it wasn't 
I guess it was by choice, but if I had an option, I'd rather be doing something other than working in retail as a cashier, just right. helping people find what they need in a store. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing challenging about that. And uh, so I did that for a few years after the Jeep stuff at Iron Rock and um, kept powering through that. And in the time that I was doing that, my fiance Sam interned at Quality Bicycle Products which is another, just like Iron Rock, one of those places that's kind of always been on the list of dream jobs Mm -hmm. and places that I've wanted to be. And hearing about that and her experiences and everything there just really brought it back on my radar because it had kind of been on the back burner for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so the following year, I noticed they had some, well, you noticed they had some openings in the warehouse. And I had been working my, you know, part-time eight to four job. And then in the winter, I'd work part-time at well, full-time job and then work part-time at the ski hill doing the lifty mm-hmm. stuff for a free season pass and then winter ended spring came around and you found the warehouse job and I'm like well I might as well do another part-time job and just keep that those hours rolling and get some extra cash and then maybe get an into this mm-hmm. awesome bicycle company and that ended up working out and uh, finally had an opportunity for a full-time spot at quality bicycle products and put in my two weeks at the retail store and Again, just sequence of events, it presented itself to me. There was the opportunity and it Mm -hmm. was something that I had to act on. So now you're, you're in this, like you're in this, you've been here at uh, QBP for like over a year now, right? Yeah. So what, uh, going through your bunch of different careers, I guess, back and forth, what kind of do you, are your influences now that help keep you motivated and keep you happy and keep those? Cause now you kind of have that dream job again, you're in that spot. So what, what are other influences that keep you, you know, focused and happy and whatnot? Well, so we talked about the retail company and Iron Rock Off-Road, and both mm-hmm. of those were s- smaller local companies in Minnesota. Yeah. And QBP is also a Minnesota-based company. You know, they're bigger. They're up and growing. They've got they're distribution global. centers in three other states in the U.S. Yeah. But um, out of the three places that I've worked you know, professionally in my 24 years or whatever, it's definitely, I've been treated better at QBP as an employee than any of the other places. And the amount of amenities and resources that they offer to their employees is just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And you you don't get that kind of treatment in other places. So even when things get kind of shitty or you get frustrated with stuff, it's like, well, it's really not that bad in comparison to to where else I've been. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. You just deal with it and you keep moving, you roll with the punches and see how you can make stuff better. You know, if there is something mm-hmm. that's bothering you, address it, bring it up to somebody. If you just whine and complain about it, you can't expect it to change. It's going right. to make you whine and complain about it again the next time. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's a, I like that. So I want to transition a little bit more since this is the brother podcast. I feel like we should talk a little bit about our history and a little bit about our uh brother and memories and whatnot what's uh one of your funniest or favorite memory from us growing up as kids because we've like grown up together now we live in the same house together we have literally like oh that's a good question there's a few events that probably aren't good to bring up on the podcast but one (laughs) of them that comes to mind is when we were biking through three mountain passes in Colorado with our dad. That was pretty, pretty freaking cool. Mm-hmm. I've never done that before. Yeah. And that was like 12 hours of 
what was it? it was like 60 miles it wasn't that far no like in the grand but, scheme of things but the elevation and like you're biking through three mountain passes exactly so like the mileage and distance doesn't look bad at all for you know like anybody that rides bikes daily mm-hmm. but the amount of time and the amount of liquids that we drank like i think we went through like 15 or 20 gatorade bottles between the three of us and then we were literally like putting our water bottles down to the stream and just drinking water straight out of the stream yep and it's just insane um and that was a really cool experience because you're out in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. you can just see mountains for miles and there's no roads there's no paths that you can see you're just in the wilderness yeah and it's whatever you got on your back to get you to wherever you're going no i totally agree i thought that was a really like one of those you know experiences that i'm going to remember for the rest of my life and it was crazy because i was really young too i mean you were like 16 17 you were older i think yeah it was probably like 17 or 18 and you were like 14 right in there yep yeah but uh, I wanted to bring up, there was uh, another trip that we did way, when we used to go to mountain bike races, like constantly, you know, every other weekend yep. we used to do the high school or the Minnesota, the Minnesota championship series. Yeah. How um, did you, I remember there was a bunch of weekends that I remember that you were not excited to get up or you did not want to race. You didn't want to go, but you biking was such a great thing and you enjoyed it, but you just didn't want to be there. You were upset. You just weren't in a good mood. Yep. So... I think that can be explained by like any sport or not even sport, you know, if it's a activity, Mm -hmm. a musical instrument or like, for example, uh, I took piano lessons when I was younger and Mm -hmm. I did that for like 10 years. And there was a lot of it where I don't think I did it by choice. (laughs) (laughs) I I think my mom wanted me to learn how to play the piano and that's what (laughs) parents do. And so it's not like I was like, you know, piano sounds like something I'd enjoy. I was like a 10-year-old kid or 12-year-old kid. You know, that's yeah. that wasn't something that was on my mind. I wanted to go outside and play or do whatever else. But I'm grateful that I did it. But same thing with the mountain bike races. I think some of it was like, well, we're signed up for all these, so let's go. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't always feeling it that weekend or whatever. I like mm-hmm. doing, well, now I've grown and I like the cross-country stuff a little more. But mm-hmm. back then, I really liked the technical off-road mountain biking where you're going over little skinny bridges and up over piles of logs and there's not as much of that in the race scene yeah definitely and that uh that transitions a little bit into uh talking about injuries because i know you recently just kind of had a pretty bad injury with your shoulder doing some technical mountain biking riding over some rocks uh this goes into a question where i asked what was your uh, your worst injury and how did you cope with it slash stay positive through it? I'm assuming this one was your worst injury unless that there is another one that compares. Uh, I don't know. Probably. Yeah. And it's the most recent. Um, yeah. It was definitely like some of the worst pain I felt. My whole shoulder just felt like it was on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and the worst part about the recovery process is just not being able to get on the bike. Like I can sit on it and, you know, You've pedaled around the block a couple times. Yep, and and that's about the extent of it because trying to ride one-handed for any length of distance isn't easy, and I don't have enough strength in my shoulder yet to to be able to put my hands on the handlebars and mm. actually support my body weight. And someone who's probably listening who hasn't even had a broken bone is probably thinking that you're insane trying to ride a bike with a completely separated shoulder. Why, why do you think that like your mind is focused on like, oh, I need to go ride my bike even though I have a not working arm? Sanity. 
I, I, I am a very active person and not being able to do anything drives me nuts. And so like the first two weeks that I was in the sling and like it hurt when I sneezed because it would mess my muscles up in my shoulder. I, I just had to go outside. It was like these beautiful days and it was like 75 degrees out and sunny and I couldn't go ride my bike. And like my fiance, Sam would go for a bike ride for an hour and a half, two hours training for this Lutzen 99er race. And I was just sitting at home wanting to do something. So I just went on like a five mile walk over to a park and went around the park and then walked back. And it's not the most comfortable thing walking around with a sling, but it's better than sitting on the couch. Mm -hmm. So it's just that drive to be able to do stuff and being on a bike is kind of my happy place. So I think being able to ride that short distance around the block, even though it's just two or three minutes on the bike Mm -hmm. is that motivation to like keep working. Yeah. Like, you know, next time it's going to be two laps around the block and then Mm -hmm. it's going to be going over to the lake and around the lake and back. And then Mm -hmm. finally working my way up to being able to bike into work again and, you know, carry the, my lunch and my change of clothes with me to work and not worry about getting halfway and realizing I can't bike the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. How, um, when you first had this injury, like the first couple days, what were, what was going through your head? You know, all the negative things that you were contemplating. I know it was right before this 99er, Lutzen 99er race. So you're probably bummed about that. Yep. So the Lutzen was one thing. It was also the day the night that I had the injury uh the following morning or the following afternoon I guess I was scheduled to do some trail maintenance down at the river bottoms uh, by the Minnesota River oh yeah with yeah. some co-workers and I was super pumped to go do that and hang out with some other people from work get to mm-hmm. like network and meet new people and just build trails like we go out and you and I'll dig trails sometimes in some mm-hmm. um places <laughs> and anyways it's a fun time you get to just create you get to let the creative juices flow and like let's make this into that and you know mm-hmm. put one of these things over there and add a little lip to this berm and it's it's a fun thing to do and I was really stoked about it and then I'd fallen and I'm like oh, I'm not gonna be able to go build trails tomorrow and that was kind of the first thing on my mind and then after that day passed, obviously that wasn't as big of a concern, but Lutzen 99er was something I was super hyped about because it was the longest mountain bike race I would have done yet. I haven't done anything over the Schwamigan 40 really, as far as mountain bike races. Mm-hmm. And then also I feel like I'm in a lot better shape just cause I have been commuting to work super frequently and going on a lot of hundred mile rides recently to just get the endurance and stamina up. Mm-hmm. And so I feel I was in a good place to set myself up for success there. But it was fun sitting on the sidelines and cheering you and Sam on because I got to see all of the top, you know, 10% riders come through that first oh, wave, sure. what kind of bikes they're riding, you know, what kind of setup they're running. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it sparked some ideas, creative yeah, ideas for me to change up my cross bike and make, uh, make that an off-road mm-hmm. warrior. Now that you've got, it's been like, what, a month now through this injury? Yep, four weeks. How has your mindset changed from the first week to now? You know, I'm a, you have a little bit more movement. You're going through a little bit more things. How are you dealing with it now versus a, like a week into it? Uh, it's nice now. I, I don't have to wear my Velcro sandals that I put on with one hand. Now I can tie my shoes. <laughs> um, it's, it's the little things, man. Uh, I can't really carry any weight with my left hand yet, but... 
I can at least let my left arm hang and the weight, like the dead weight of my arm Doesn't is, hurt and, it. yeah, it, it's enough where my muscles can support it at this point. So I'm just working on gaining that muscle tissue back up, building it back up and then doing physical therapy. And now my mind's just at, you know, what's the timeline on how long this is going to take to be 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is I signed up for a commuter bike league at my work before the accident happened and that starts July 9th and so I'm going to be out the first couple weeks of that where I won't be able to bike in and get points for my team but I plan to Mm -hmm. more than make up for it afterwards and that's where my head's at I've got like a in six weeks from now I want to be able to ride my bike into work every day I'm planning on sooner than that but Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of my personal goal is I want to be able to just ride my mountain bike kind of more relaxed position in yeah. the work and take Just my take time. It easy. Yeah, I'm planning on my time about doubling for my <laughs> ride into work, but I'm going to be riding into work, damn it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's I feel the same way. I know when I had one of my worst injuries was when I broke my leg BMX biking in I think it was like freshman year, sophomore year or something. I broke my tib fib, so it was my tibula and my fibia or fibula and tibia. Yeah. It was the second one you said. Yeah. Uh, so I broke both of those bones and I was in a wheelchair for like four months and I couldn't do anything. So I was just bedridden basically because I had a full leg cast all the way up to my thigh. And I know exactly how you feel where I just couldn't do anything and I'm such an active person. So it was just, it drove me insane because I couldn't walk. I had one leg, you know, I couldn't, yep. I was literally stuck sitting in a chair for four months. But I think the the hard, the most important thing is to think about what you were saying is doing it a little bit more a little bit more and just l- looking at the end thing like I'm gonna be at a hundred percent again it's not like I don't have to live with this for the rest of my life and I know in some cases some people do but that's just how it goes right but and that all goes back to the mindset of the individual because mm-hmm. everybody's gonna have a different mindset and a different approach to how they perceive it sure yeah that's fair and so the fact that you and I are very active driven people i think also translates to having an active driven mindset Mm. that's fair do you uh this goes back a little bit to talking about your younger self and like uh your teenage years but what piece of advice do you wish you could tell yourself now you know if there's a 16 year old kid listening what would you tell him or alex 16 year old alex price is listening what would you tell him don't stress it that's just don't stress it there's i was a lot of more self-conscious I think in high school and that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. you know after high school you just kind of your perspective on the world changes and you get to just see the wider broader view Mm -hmm. and things really don't matter (laughs) (laughs) and you're worried about every little thing when you're in school and it's like it's gonna be just fine and so having that comfortability with yourself and you know your life and not worrying about everybody else and mm-hmm. uh, you know every the, everybody's focused on themselves they're not thinking about you right and i think that's something that any 16 year old can benefit from yeah definitely i like that a lot i wish i knew that i mean i definitely did not i know i got caught up in so many things in high school because everyone when you're at a when you're in that age you're just you're not thinking about the whole grand scheme of things you're thinking about all your friends what everyone else thinks of you you know that kind of stuff right but 
Uh, so moving on, I know you had some questions you wanted to ask me a little bit, talking about Make Happiness and some other stuff. I was curious what they were, what you wanted to talk to me about. Sure. Uh, so I'm thinking of it. I've li- listened to like all the other CastBox podcasts mm-hmm. and uh, kind of the theme and stuff you guys have been talking about. And so from the perspective of a listener and somebody, you know, just tuning in to Make Happiness and the stuff that you're about. Right. Um, obviously make happiness is kind of your focus right now and your direction and the stuff that you're working on. Yep. Uh, at what point did that become like, what, what was the tipping point where you knew that this was something you wanted to pursue or did that, did it just kind of evolve from other stuff? And then after doing that other stuff, you're like, Oh, I want to make, you know, a company out of this. Actually, this is something I could see myself doing. And Mm -hmm. how did that come about? Well, it goes back talking kind of what you said a while ago, but I know from a very young age, I always, I just wanted to be happy. I just wanted to do something that I loved. And then kind of going into high school and middle school, I was really started getting into learning from you, the positive, like positivity, law of attraction, all that stuff. And I thought about, I started getting into watching a lot of motivational speakers and this thing and that stuff. And I thought it'd be really cool to just kind of be one of those people of like, influencing a lot or a mass population and like helping a mass amount of people because that's where I think a lot of people get the most self-fulfillment is helping others you know it's one of the greatest feelings in the world in my opinion so I just wanted to figure out how I could make a career out of helping people and then writing the little blurb about make happiness in my journal and then getting those stickers made, I really started to think about how make happiness could really help and benefit our community and the youth and all those things as a whole, because it's a very important thing that I think our society needs to have in this world. And I think there are a lot of people who are doing what they love and there are a lot of people who are enjoying life. And I just want to bring that to the surface because not a lot of people view or think that people are, but the truth is there's a lot of people who are just doing what they love and enjoying life. And I want to kind of bring that light to the world. That's awesome. Yeah. That the way you describe it, there just like mirrors exactly the, uh, the book into the wild by, I think it's John Krakauer, but mm-hmm. it's about, uh, Alex McCandless, how he like ran away from home and was just, you know, bumming around the U S and then eventually made his way to Alaska just in search of his own happiness or like finding, you know, his own self fulfillment cause he yeah. wasn't happy at home. And then I think it was when he, you know, a year or two had passed and he's living in Alaska wilderness by himself. In a bus. <laughs> yep. And completely isolated from society. And then there's a, like a entry in his journal that he had written the words, happiness only real when shared. Mm-hmm. Which just like you're saying, you know, there's plenty of happy people in the world right now, but you've got to share that with everyone else. Exactly. Because that's the that's the main goal of this. I just want to show not showcase, but I want to you know make it aware to everyone that like people are happy. It is existing. You know, let's bring this all together. Like, if someone like we there's all these happy people around us. Well, why not bring up these people who aren't unhappy, or why not help them show our methods and show uh, and show them how we be happy and how we find our happiness to try and just lift up the entire world in a sense. Yep. You know, I think uh, one good challenge, I'm mm-hmm. going to challenge everybody listening to this to do, one person that's not smiling that you see today, try to see if you can just make them crack a grin. <laughs> okay. Because it's like easy it. to make somebody smile that's already having a good day. Mm-hmm. That's not a challenge. 
make somebody smile that's not having a good day, man. Like, yeah, that's true. And sometimes it, it it's as easy as you know saying hi or like you know just having that little thirty second conversation because they're having a bad day and they haven't had that validation or they haven't had you know, that stranger connections. Cause sometimes it's nice to have a stranger give you a compliment or something like it just feels good. Exactly. Um, so that's the make happiness stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you do personally when you have, you, you see yourself in a rut or even like there's something like some wrench gets thrown at you at Mm -hmm. work or at school where you're just like, shit, like I was not prepared to deal with this today i don't right. want to deal with this i've got enough other things to do mm-hmm. what do you do to keep your mindset where you want it to be uh in all honesty whenever something like that happens i have to be completely isolated from anyone and like anything so i have to be completely alone i mean usually i'll go for a longboard ride or i'll go for a bike ride or something like that and i just have to be completely isolated from anything and everyone so i can just focus and like, you know, think, process everything, think about what's really important. You know, is the situation really that big of a deal to stress over? Is it worth stressing over? You know, is it that big of an impact to focus on or should I just move on? You know, what's the, what core to, what sort of solutions can I come up with or what can I benefit from this or how can I deal with it? I think it's just being alone and organizing my thoughts and, just relaxing kind of meditating in some sort of a way but that's where I get so if I ride my bike or if I go for a longboard ride those bring me happiness that brings me clarity kind of recenters myself in a way boost those endorphins exactly so when you say you go riding somewhere alone do you go around you know Lake Harriet or Calhoun where there's tons of people just Mm -hmm. by yourself without friends or do you go somewhere where there aren't people in these urban areas where we're living uh, it depends. I mean, uh, usually the go-to would be to go up around, like I'd go up around the lake sort of, but going on those bike trails, like further, further North that goes up towards the Stone Arch bridge or the ones that go further West towards Hopkins, there's not as many people on those trails and you're just kind of in a forest or like wooded area just on this bike trail. And I think that's also a big part of it. Just being out in the wilderness, being alone and just like, kind of centering myself and just relaxing and just breathing and just reminding myself that like you said earlier just don't stress over it it's going to work out it's not the end of the world like it's a bad situation and yes it's going to impact you right now but in the grand scheme of things it's not going to be here you know maybe a month from now or it's not going to be relevant two months from now or whatever sure so interesting well, I'm also like, I would consider myself, I'm an introverted extrovert. I don't know if that's the right word. So like, I, I love people and I love talking to people and I love being around people, but I also need, I get my energy from being alone. Yep. So I need to have that alone time. I need to be in my own space. I need to have my own thoughts. I need to just be alone for a while. And sometimes too, if I'm stressed out or something, I'll just write and I'll like go on my typewriter and type down my thoughts or whatever I'm thinking about. And that usually ends up me coming to some sort of epiphany about the situation or that kind of thing, which also just gives me that clarity and that relief. Sure. Cause you just get all those thoughts flowing and then exactly. you just keep growing on them rather than just having them sit in your head forever and just go in circles. Yep. And I would say I'm very similar. I'm probably the same way with, you know, I get my energy from not being around people. Yeah. I love to mm-hmm. socialize and hang out with friends or, you know, people with the right energy when it's the right time. But, right. um, my fiance is the exact opposite and she thrives on being in social situations with all of her friends and Mm -hmm. going and hanging out with like, you know, 30 people and just 
having a blast and right. we'll get home and she's just so amped and that was amazing and like I loved it I great experience but I'm just like I'm so drained and exhausted <laughs> that's funny but do you because uh, here's the other thing too I uh, actually yesterday me and my girlfriend Annie we were going to a bike shop because I needed a part for my bike and I was just talking to this guy for like 20 minutes just because I get not like I love talking to people who have that same energy, the same interest, you know, it's not about like completely isolating myself from everyone. Like you're saying, like I do enjoy talking to people, but it's just the right time kind of thing. Yep. But yeah, absolutely. And it helps too when they, you guys have shared interests. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, obviously if they've got a really in-depth knowledge of something you're passionate about and also have a really in-depth knowledge on, mm-hmm. you guys are going to kick it off right away. So yeah. I mean, that conversation just starts itself. Right. Cool. Um, so I was going to ask too, is there one sort of personal development skill or, you know, something that you're working on right now to grow personally? Cause I think that's one of the most important things is that we're constantly growing as individuals. So I always like to ask this question, you know, what are you working on for growth? Absolutely. So personal growth in high school, I was a lot more shy, less outgoing and being in that retail job for so long forced me out of that bubble. Cause mm-hmm. when you're working a cashier for by yourself for the whole night you have to talk to people you don't mm-hmm. have a choice and it just i mean you've got the comfort of being behind the counter you're at which right. gives you a sense of security but at the same time forces you to break out of that bubble sure and so uh, i feel like i've done a good job of that and just being more outgoing with people but uh still i'm not very confident like public speaking or in large groups mm-hmm. and uh want to work on that and then also last semester I took a small group communication course where mm-hmm. we got to learn a lot of stuff about communicating with different personality types and uh different levels of authority and how to you know there's a sender and a receiver and how you send that message to one person could be sent identically to someone else but they're going to interpret it two different ways just sure. because they're two different People. communication styles mm-hmm. and so you ha- have to word things differently talking to different people in order to convey the same message. And so being able to, you know, understand. uh, Yep. And just see and have that understanding of what, you know, personality types people are and communicating with them and personally being able to like receive, uh, I don't know, like feedback or stuff from Mm -hmm. just conversation, you know, it, it helps me grow and it helps it challenges me. It goes back to that whole thing of having a challenge, you know, mm-hmm. then rather than just talking for an hour, I'm actually like thinking while I'm talking about, yeah, how can I word this? Yeah. And mm-hmm. how is, how's it going to benefit them? Yep. So that's cool. I like that. Um, so do you, uh, do you have any daily routines or any stuff that you do to keep yourself focused? You know, any little things you do to make yourself on par? Like I know there every day there's going to be like, there's little things throughout the day that are going to stress you out or like irritate you. How do you not let those get to you? How do you kind of steer away from letting those, you know, bring you down or whatnot? Um, first thing that I think of since the past few weeks, I haven't been biking to work and I've been driving. So right off the bat, biking to work is something I do when I can, Mm -hmm. uh, as often as I can. And that centers me, like you were saying, it's kind of a sense of meditation, helps me relax, Mm -hmm. uh, wind down. And it's just awesome passing a row of parked cars on the street when I'm flying by in the bike lane going 20 miles an hour. And honestly... Uh, when I bike, it takes me 30, 35 minutes to get to work. 
and now driving because I'm in traffic working eight to four, eight to five. It takes me 30, 35 minutes to drive. So why <laughs> the hell wouldn't I bike? That's funny. But, uh, the other side of that is when I'm in the car, whether it's on the road or on the highway, just don't be in a rush. Like you're going to get to your destination. You're not more important than anybody else on the road. Mm-hmm. Like there's the people when you're at the on ramps to merge onto the highway and there's the alternating lights. Oh yeah. yeah. And then somebody sneaks in behind them. Mm-hmm. Like what's why? the point? Yeah. What's the point? And like cutting off semis or like hopping. It's like, I always let semis pass. Like I always like, I'm, I'm not in a rush. I'm just, working on getting to where I'm going Mm -hmm. and so I think it's so funny to see all these people that are just speed up a million miles an hour just to slow down at that car in front of them and Mm -hmm. then I'm going at the speed limit or whatever speed I'm going and you just catch right back up and it's like good thing you did that man yeah so I I like that challenge and honestly when you're in traffic and it's kind of doing that slinky thing where it you'll speed up and then stop and speed up and stop uh the challenge that I always play with myself is to not touch your brake so you have to just crawl and stay at a steady speed where you're not going to catch up to that person in front of you before they get going again. And mm-hmm. by doing that, you're alleviating all the traffic behind you because they're not going to speed up and stop. They're going to just keep moving. Right. So I don't know. It's just one of those little those little games that you play with yourself throughout the day. That's cool. I yeah. like that. I've never thought about that or tried that myself, but it sounds like fun. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, cool. I'm trying to think. Uh, let's see, what else do we got? Um, so biking has been a really big influence, obviously. And I know I keep going back to biking, but just let it happen. It's a big part of our lives. Deal with it. I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't Uh, apologize. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, well, I'm sure some people get bored of it though, because well, those people are wrong. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So biking was a big influence growing up as a child. How does biking influence your life as a kid versus how it influences you now? You know? What was, why did you ride your bike so much as a teenager, as a kid? And then why do you ride your bike so much now? Do you think, is it different or is it the same or is it? My parents made me do it. Really? I don't know. I mean, would we be biking if our parents both didn't grow up biking? Probably. Well, I don't know, honestly. I feel like we probably subconsciously would have just ended up in the same spot because it's like, I don't know. I feel like maybe we would be doing the same thing, maybe a little bit different, but like, how did you pick up a BMX bike? Your, your, our parents did right. a BMX bike, and you were obsessed with that, and now I became obsessed yeah. with that. It was just the culture, I guess. Yeah, that's a good point, though, because BMX biking has definitely shaped my approach to a lot of different biking, whether it's road biking or mountain biking. Like, mm-hmm. I transfer all those same abilities. Like, I like bunny hopping obstacles and yeah. doing fun little jibs off of jump lines and stuff, all because I got started with that BMX biking. How did that start? Um, so all the neighbor kids and me, like, they all skateboarded, and I couldn't skateboard, so I, <laughs> r- I rode my bike. I did what I knew I was good at, and I got on the BMX bike. <laughs> That's funny. I tried to ollie for... I don't know how many months and I would just do like the quick manual lift the front up and smack it back down and the the rear wheels never left the ground (laughs) and so I was like I know I'm good at biking let's try this BMX bike thing and see what happens and Mm -hmm. just kept going from there that's cool uh so what was uh when you were BMX biking you know you're just riding around with your neighborhood kids was it just the motivation or was it just fun you know you just did it because that's what you knew or were there any other stuff that you did for an outlet kind of thing as a kid well I mean it's that freedom of being able to get to your friend's house I think when any 
you know, a teenage kid gets their first bike and they can bike over to their friends, Mm -hmm. whether it's a BMX bike or a mountain bike or a whatever bike, just something to get from A to B. Mm -hmm. And there's no parents around or whatever. You don't have the boundaries. You can just do what you want to do. And then I had the luxury of having other friends that were also into BMX biking. So, and living in an area where we've got lots of awesome street spots and that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And also skate parks and everything in between. And so we would just go around and go ride all the local spots and just have a good time. And I think that pretty much took up the entirety of our summers. <laughs> and that was kind of what it was. Now transitioning to what your biking is now and influencing yourself now, why do you ride a bike? Why do you do the things, you know, why do you go out and commute every day? I know you touched on it a little bit. It gives you the clarity. It's that kind of thing. It's meditative but yep uh living in the city it's definitely quicker than being stuck in traffic and Mm -hmm. you know with the planet the way it is you know more people should be biking than driving if you Mm -hmm. live less than 10 miles away from your work i don't see a reason you can't Mm -hmm. granted i've got a lot of amenities at my job they've got showers they've got towels they've got a bike rack indoors for me to hang my bike so i don't have to worry about locking it but i think if you're motivated on any level there's no reason you can't make it happen right you just need to plan and you add a little bit of time onto your day because you got to get your stuff in your backpack and you got to give yourself time to get changed at work but in the grand scheme of things it's healthy for you it's healthy for the planet it makes you feel better personally um yeah didn't you also have a unicycle at one point i did have a unicycle i tried to learn how to juggle while i was riding it really i didn't know that cool because i can juggle and i can ride a unicycle but it's really hard to put those two together (laughs) and then i got rid of the unicycle (laughs) i want to talk a little bit too about winter sports because we haven't really talked about that much because i know in the winter a lot of people are gonna think that like you can't ride a bike in the winter you know it's cold and whatever but we do that's the other thing you know it's the challenge of it you just you feel like a badass when you bike to work and it's negative 10 degrees out because it's a struggle it's really hard yeah and i you know trim the beard up since then but i had the longer beard and like i'd get home and it would just be an icicle and it's just the wildest thing but biking in the winter i mean whether anybody that's done any winter sport out in the snow whether it's snowshoeing or skiing or you know snowboarding out in the mountains when you're out there by yourself away from everything else the snow just soaks up all the sound and it's just eerily quiet oh yeah it's so cold out nobody's outside Mm -hmm. you're just alone with yourself and the elements and to me that's a really cool feeling just the calmness of it and the solitude Mm -hmm. and i don't know you just get it all the outdoors all to yourself so there's a reoccurring theme like i think for both of us and just i don't know if it's our personality if it's our genetics but we really enjoy being isolated we really enjoy the outdoors really enjoy the wilderness i'm very curious because other people and i'm asking you genuinely like your fiance sam or my girlfriend annie they get their energy from other people they like the chaos they like that stuff i wonder what is the difference between the two personalities you know why why do they like to be around so many people and why do we like to be isolated because that's the way it is man if everybody was the same way it'd be a pretty boring place but yeah but Obviously. what makes the difference? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Mm-hmm. Just, Do you think it's uh, genetics? Genetics. Or? Your, I think uh, the house that you grow up in, your parents. I mean, there's your yeah, your environment. Um, that has everything to do with it because it's what you know, and 
you know, what we know is different from what Annie or Sam knows from their environment growing up. And mm-hmm. that's just something you take with you. And whether it's in your subconscious or you're aware of it, I think that's something that definitely plays a role in your life 10 years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fair point. But I find it interesting, too, because like you, your fiance, Sam, is totally different personality you know she's an extroverted person where she gets all her energy from other people and you're isolated so you'd think that you'd find someone who has that same thing but yet you and sam are getting married you know opposites attract that's true it's a fair point she forces me and challenges me to go out and be social and when she's going off the walls i force her to calm down and take a breath (laughs) (laughs) so it's a very symbiotic relationship (laughs) That's a, I like that. that You feed off each other. You help each other grow in different ways, different exactly. directions. Because if we were the same person, I mm-hmm. mean, we would just both be shut-ins all the time. And I don't want to go outside. <laughs> cool. Uh, I think this is a really good podcast. I think that we got we went through quite a bit of stuff. Well, you sound surprised. <laughs> all right. Fair point. Well, yeah, it's the brother podcast. What do you expect? Success. <laughs> yeah, the price is right. There you go. <laughs> So do you have any clothing thoughts quick or anything you want to wrap up with and mention? Go ride your bike. <laughs> I like it. Even though it's raining though outside. Uh, so dress for the weather. Well, what about someone? Here's another good thing quick. What about people, you know, who don't have all the sporting gear? You know, they don't have these padded shorts that we wear that feel comfy, you know, because like people's butts get sore and they don't have the right stuff. How are you, what's the best way to accommodate for that or to motivate them? You know, uh, just start slow, you know, do a couple miles and then the next day do a couple more and then, you know, build your way up baby steps. Mm-hmm. And if you feel you need to get the cycling shorts, go get the cycling shorts, but you don't need, you know, a hundred percent of the nicest gear on the market top to bottom. I think shorts are like number one. Cause that you're sitting on your bike. That's, the main thing but aside from that i mean and a helmet obviously wear your helmet but i think those two things will get you pretty darn far sweet um all right well i think that about wraps up this uh wonderful alex and ian brother podcast um thank you for coming on the show i appreciate it yeah thanks for having me it's been a good time (laughs) uh so I'm going to give a little plug. You can check out my website and at the makehappiness.com and I'm post new blogs every Wednesday. I'm sure, you know, or most of the people listening probably know that, but, uh, I'm coming out with new stuff. I know I keep saying that, but I'm working on some, a logo right now with someone and I'm waiting to get some more money so I can buy all these things because I just had kind of a bad month for finances because I had to pay for a lot of bills. So I have to wait until I have more money to buy all these shirts and the new stuff. But it is coming. Be patient. Um, Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. You are one of the loyal people who are going to be here, and I value you very much. So I want to do everything I can to keep you listening, keep your friends listening, or help you share it with your friends and whatnot. So thank you. Make today the best day of your life and make some happiness. Yeah, do it. Do it now.